Well, good morning. Man, it has been a great morning so far, and I echo everyone else to say Happy Mother's Day. I have a mom. I bet you do too, right? You all have a mom? Uh, and I don't think she's in this service today. Are you here, Mom? Anybody want to claim me? See, she doesn't even come to claim me, but uh, my mom lives six months in Texas and six months here. She owns a house six doors down from me, and what a blessing she is. She uh, is instrumental in helping us raise our three kids, and I uh, love my mom, and so you will enjoy getting to know her, those of you who've got to know her. And then I have a wife, too, that's been very helpful with three kids, and she led you in worship today, and um, we like to match, so we have the same color on today. We do have the same color on today, but that's not really intentional. But praise God, I get to claim her with the color of my polo shirt. And she is a wonderful mom, a fun mom. I've I've, uh, enjoyed hearing from casual friends, our friends once removed, who have talked about how inspiring Beth's love for our kids is through Facebook. She's very open about sharing funny stories and all the neat little things about motherhood. And uh, it's been amazing how those ripples have gone out and have inspired people. So she, Beth, certainly inspires me. And though she's not here in this service, I'll give the speech again next service. And try to get some great brownie points. Did I do good? Was that a good speech? Okay. All right. Thank you, John. John Bouchard is clapping for me. Give me a thumbs up. I don't know if you're my target audience of who I need approval from, John. But thanks for the support, bud. Good, good stuff anyway. So, special day. But here, here's what I want to do today. Is, is we want to honor every female here. Because when we talk about Mother's Day... It's true that every single female here, whether they have a child directly or they're influenced a child, the female gender is being used by God to make us complete people. That's why this is not Parents' Day. All right? This is not, hey, parents, whether it's a mother or father, doesn't matter because they're interchangeable. That's not true. Moms are unique, and moms are special, and moms are gifted. And it's because the female gender has been designed by God to bring something special and unique to our lives. And so you may not have that perfect relationship with your mother that that culture wants to tell us we have to have or, or make us feel insecure about. Or you may not, uh, may not be living out what you expected when when it comes to a mother-child relationship. But here's the deal. Every one of you has a female who's had a positive influence on your life. And females, God's picked this gender, your gender, to have a special impact on the people in your life that only a female can have, that a mother figure can have. And so I I just thank you. You are blessed of the Lord. And, And I hope that you feel the heart of Jesus through the scripture today. Because we live in a world, both currently and historically, where women are undervalued and suppressed and oppressed, uh, but that's not the heart of God. 
It's not the heart of God at all. There's a funny old story, a classic old story, about, about a CEO who is traveling with his wife, and they stop to get gas. He goes in, and he pays for the gas, and he notices that his wife is in a deep conversation with the gas attendant. So when they get back in the car, he asks about this conversation, and she tells him, she said, I used to date that gas attendant when I was in college. So very smugly, the CEO states, well, aren't you glad that you married a CEO instead of a gas attendant? And she said, no, you ought to be glad because if you would have married someone else, you would be the gas attendant and not the CEO. I'm glad you laughed at that joke, because I didn't know if you would or not. I don't usually give jokes like that. It's all right. Now, there's a couple of problems with that story. First of all, if you're under the age of 30, you probably don't understand what they're talking about. There used to be something uh, called full service at a gas station. Is there anywhere in Hendersonville or Gallatin with full service gas station anymore? Okay, so this is what would happen is they'd have three lanes and two of them would be self-service. But one of them, you could just sit in your car and pay a little extra for someone to fill up your gas tank. I've been talking a lot about history these, during the sermon series. That's our history lesson today. And all of you who don't love history, you're like, hallelujah, great. Okay, so um, that, that, that's one of the problems. And I think in Oregon, it's still a law that they have to have full service gas station. Is that true? Has anyone from Oregon or been there? Okay, thank you. So that is confirmed by the gentleman on the right. So that is one of the, that's one of the issues, one of the issues with that old story. But here's the other issue. Why couldn't have that lady been the CEO herself? Why could not she have had the opportunity? She certainly had the ability to be that person. And that's why it's an old joke. And, and today, times have changed. And females have great opportunity. Great opportunity. And I thank God for that. I think a woman should get paid the same amount as a man should get paid for a job. And there's great opportunities. With great opportunities come great conflict also. And so, so it is that when we see all that has transpired in the last, let's say, 50 years for sure, all of the opportunities that have come for females, Jesus was ahead of it all. Jesus gave a value to females and honored females in a way in a way that was way ahead of the thinking of his time and has really set the pace and set the tone uh, for females to be used by God in a very direct way. I want us to go to John chapter 4. And John chapter 4 records the longest conversation Jesus has ever had in the Bible. It's with a Samaritan woman. John chapter 4, Deborah preached on this last year and did such a great job, but we're going to look at this story again uh, and, and let it be our initial guide as, as we see the heart of Jesus in the conversation. That's what I want you to see in a moment. But before we do, I need to tell you about, about a man that I used to go to church with, and he is a real man. 
but I'm going to protect his identity. We, we had a name for him. He had his real name and his nickname. And his nickname was Creepy Bill. His name really wasn't Bill. It was something else. But the creepy part was real. Okay? Now, this is an actual person I'm imagining right now. But ladies, if you have not met the Creepy Bill that I know, you have met Creepy Bill in church before or somewhere else. Creepy Bill uh, used a lot of spiritual language. But his specialty was to get right up in the face of any woman uh, that uh, would not suspect it. He loved to get right up in their face and get into a deep conversation with them. And while he spiritually talked, he would just gently touch their shoulder, their arms. How many ladies in here are, are already getting goosebumps on their arm? A bad kind of goosebump, right? I mean, you've met this guy before. You may not know, but you've met this guy once before. And creepy Bill would come and, and, and uh, really make all the ladies in our church very uncomfortable. Now, there was one particular lady that she is just your quintessential godly woman. I mean, she is just a Sunday school teacher, uh, just exudes godliness in everything that she does. In fact, it's your mom, Jonathan. Jonathan Kidd on the third row there. So this, this is a true story. And, and Creepy Bill targeted this lady. And if you know about Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 is this incredible chapter that describes this quintessential woman, this, this woman that is to be esteemed, that talks about all the things she does for her family and business. Does anyone know what Proverbs 31 is? Okay, so you're familiar with it. You can scan it in your Bible. Proverbs 31 uh, is, is like the, the ultimate standard for females. And so Creepy Bill got into my friend's face and said, you know what you are? Let me tell you what you are. You're a P31 woman. That's what you are. And, and he, he started this nickname, and every time he'd see her, he'd point and say, you're a P31 woman. Uh, God wants you to know you're a P31 woman. And it was just really, really strange the way he did this. Uh, eventually, we had to like talk to him and say, lay off not only her, but all the other women in the church. Nobody wants you to get in their face and gently touch their arm and to call them a P31 woman. Y'all with me on this, right? Not cool. That's creepy Bill. One of the issues for you, there's a lot of reasons that I'm glad I'm not a woman. Boy, that's a quotable, isn't it? That's not good, right? <laughs> But one of the ways I sympathize with you ladies is the creepy guys you have to deal with. This is especially terrible on an airplane. I mean, you're stuck 30,000 feet in the air in a steel tube in a small chair, and creepy Bill is going to sit right next to you and decide to have conversation with you for two and a half hours. I mean, that is horrific. That is terrible. And so there's, there's a shadow that men cast over women when they have conversation with them. And one of the shadow is what really is behind the intention of the man. And, and I suppose that I've seen this played out in observation and heard it played out that, that there's just, when a man talks to a woman, there, there is a shadow that unless there's a purity in the Lord that always can create suspicion and I know, girls, you're thinking of a bad experience you probably had before. Here, here's what I love about John chapter 4. Jesus encounters a woman in 
a very vulnerable position and there's no shadows on their conversation. That, that's the first point I want, I want you to see the heart of God. No shadows. No shadows. John chapter 4, we read the story. If you have your Bibles, turn there. You can look on your phone on the version. It said he had traveled through Samaria and he came to a town of Samaria called Sikar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there and Jesus worn out from his journey. That's a great phrase. Just talks about the humanity of Jesus, that he actually had physical fatigue. Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now, I want, I want you to realize a couple of things. You probably remember this. Samaria was not um, a well thought of people or nation. They were half Jew, um, for lack of a better term, a half a race in the Jewish people's minds. And so they were not considered pure followers of God. And she came to draw water. This would also mean that this particular lady was uh, poor from a lower class because she had to draw the water herself, not her servants. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father, Jacob, are you? And he gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water We'll get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water. Here's two metaphors here. A well springing up from within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. This story is... Like I mentioned, the, the longest conversation Jesus had with anyone. And, and it's interesting that he chose in, in his providence for this conversation to happen with an unlikely source, an unlikely person. The longest recorded conversation was with someone that in the natural he was not supposed to be talking to. She wasn't from his religion. And there in the late evening, him talking to a woman by the well would be scandalous. It would be suspicious. It would cast a shadow on their conversation. But there's a purity in Jesus. A purity in Jesus, the one who is fully God. He didn't deal with the sinful nature that you and I have or that a man or woman would have in a conversation like that. He, he went straight to her heart straight to her spirit, straight to who she was, to the heart of the matter. And, and here's what I want all of us to hear, but especially to all the females here, as we're honoring you today, is that there's only one you can really trust. There's only one that you can really trust, and that's the spirit of Jesus. I, I challenge you, ladies, to lean into your faith and, and to give your all to your faith. Because there's a purity in your relationship with Jesus that can't be touched by the corruption of man. 
And when that's your security, then that gives you the ability to trust the right man that's already in your life or who will be in your life. So to teenage girls, to single ladies, to those who are ladies who are in marriages now or, or who widowed or who are in another phase of life, everything starts with your encounter with Jesus. I mean, right there, Jesus is coming to you and this very story lets us know that, that you are important to him. Ladies, females, girls, you're important to the Lord. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And that relationship will be the core to keep you safe from any other type of relationships with a male or even a female. Because there will be a trust there that's anchored in your relationship with the Lord. This is what I love about the interaction Jesus had with this particular woman. Is that he asked her questions. He didn't just say, give me the water and shut up, woman, and do your job. He asked her questions. And then Jesus listened to the woman. He was safe. He validated her. He trusted her. He trusted who she was. He, he made her a lady of value without concern to his reputation. And there's... There's a moral authority in Jesus being completely pure and sinless that he can do that. So, for all you guys there, don't use John chapter 4 as your excuse to go hang out with strange women at night, okay? Because you're not Jesus, right? And boundaries are good. But Jesus had a purity about him that was so different in this conversation than the shadows that often fall over those conversations that we have. Here's the other thing I love about Jesus is there was no shame. There's no shame. You know, women are immediately and harshly and unfairly judged on a shame basis. Women are judged much harsher about morality than men are, and that's just simply not fair. I think judgment for morality should happen to male and female equally. Sin is equal in God's eyes. But, but often among teenage boys, among adolescents, we celebrate their fornication and then we shame a female's fornication. And, and those scales are just unjustly weighed. All sin is sin before God's eyes. And so it is in this story, you know, there's a Bible commentary, uh, commentators that have read a lot into the story uh, of, of who is this woman and what was she doing and what was her background. And a lot of this comes from uh, chapter 16. Jesus asked, excuse me, verse 16. Jesus asked this question. He says, go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is a word, this is divine wisdom, divine knowledge, Jesus speaking to her need. You notice he, he didn't start off with this part of the conversation. He established relationship before he went there. A lot has been read into this. We, we tend to think, well, 
This lady, was she like Elizabeth Taylor, for some of you who remember her, just changing out husbands at will? No, this wasn't necessarily the case. We don't know what her circumstances are because divorce was very rare in those days, but mortality rates were very high. So it's quite possible there were several deaths that had put her in that situation. It's just another slant. Immediately we read into this sense of immorality, and maybe that was the case. We just don't know that for sure. A lot of times when a poor woman like her, who had to draw her own water, when when her husband would die, uh, she would become a concubine for economic reasons. Because without education and without a job for she she would be forced to do this. we, We don't really know what this lady's background is. We can read into it all we want to and go take a couple of different paths. But here's the greater point. Instead of what her background was, let's talk about the present reality in John 4, which was this, is that she was highly valued by Jesus in a time when ladies and females weren't valued. Their opinion didn't matter. And Jesus did not speak to her shame. Often, that's what society does. We, we, we put shame upon women. Shame, women feel ashamed of their past, ashamed of their, their bodies, ashamed of their status in society, ashamed of their ability to be the spouse or the mother they're supposed to be. And there's all this shame and guilt. Can I just tell you, that's not the spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus will convict us of sin. But His conviction leads to repentance that lifts us up. And I see our Jesus lifting up this woman out of of the, the conversation they had. And out of her being anonymous. And He lifted her up and did not speak to her shame but revealed her situation to show who he was. You see, what was happening here was not Jesus um, simply pointing out the potential wrong that had been in her life. It was Jesus revealing who he was. The information was maybe what some of us call a word of knowledge or a revelation. And Jesus said, I'm going to reveal secret parts of your life, not so I can expose you and shame you so that I can reveal who I am. I'm the Son of God. Can I just tell you that the Spirit of Jesus is revealing himself to all of us who will have a conversation with him. He wants, he wants to show us who he is beyond simply the shame. And so here it is. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And 26, I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. This is what's happening here. It's a revelation of the Messiah. It's a revelation of the Son of God. And and ladies, I'm talking to you today, but men, I know God's speaking to you also. The Son of God is meeting you where you're at. Whatever your well is, whatever your past is, whatever your limitations that have been imposed upon you, the Son of God is meeting you and he's saying, here I am, I am the one. Jesus wants you to know that I am the one. 
I can feel needs that a father figure can't fill. I can feel needs that a spouse can't fill. I can feel needs that a, a, a coach or an encourager or a mentor can't fill. I am he. And once we experience him, man, a woman, things are so much better. It's the basis. It's the, it's the center. It's the core of who God has, has made you. And so it is that I love this. Why did Jesus do this? And the third and final thing I want to say is so there'd be no limits. Now, now that, that saying that phrase is an incomplete statement. Of course, there are limits. But generally speaking, this is that Jesus said, I am my encounter with you at this well will change the way you're used forever. Look what happened in verse 28. Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the men, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left the town and they made their way to him. There's, and, and now in verse 39, it says, Now Samaritans from that town believed in him. Look at this phrase. Because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Here it was. God took a woman who was limited by her culture, limited by her circumstances, limited by her economic condition, most likely limited by her sin, and he used her. Jesus used this woman because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. There must have been some level of respect that she had for the people in her town to listen to her. He said they believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. This has been a pattern. Guys, it has just gone over and over and over again. From Timothy, who was influenced by his grandmother and mother, to children who, as we speak, are sitting in classrooms on this campus that are finding out who Jesus is because the testimony of a female. Not limited to that. And I will say this, that what I love about our church is all the men who are in children's ministry. So I want to be clear that that needs to happen and I affirm that. But historically, what has happened because God has changed the limitations and used females. Look with me at Mark chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, sorry. Luke chapter 8, talking about the ministry of Jesus, starting in verse 1. It says, soon afterwards, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. And they named the women Mary, called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Now think about this for a second. Herod was the guy who was trying to kill Jesus. And one of Herod's most trusted, trusted employees for lack of, or servants for lack of a better term. His wife was following Jesus around and supporting him. Susanna and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. The gospel was being spread 
through not just the 12 or the 72 disciples, but through women who had been touched by Jesus, who followed Jesus and who actually supported Jesus economically or financially. This changed the limits of the day. Even to this day, even in this day and age, how scandalous and awkward and and strange it would see if a group of women were traveling with a group of men all over the, the land without some of these these uh, marital relationships that would cause boundaries. It, it would feel awkward. It would feel strange to us even today. And yet this was happening under the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was breaking those limits because Jesus valued women and he was not embarrassed to even be financially supported by women. Now, I say all of this because I want you ladies to feel the heart of Jesus towards you. Scripturally. The heart of Jesus is for God to use you, for you to partner with Jesus for the advancing of his kingdom. This was in an era when not only did women not travel, women were encouraged to stay inside their homes, not even go outside except except for certain times. And Jesus broke the limits and he let women travel with his team and let women even support them. You know, there was a time when Jesus was teaching and uh, he, a statement happened, and you can look with me at that at Luke chapter 11. He was teaching in verse 27, as he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you are blessed. That's a pretty nice compliment, isn't it? And he said, even more, those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. You know, on this day of the year, we correctly honor women. It's an American tradition, American-European tradition. It's something that is good and pleases the Lord that we honor our moms. And a lot of you compliment my mom. And I always love it when I hear that. You say, man, your mom is so sweet. Your mom is so nice. And I agree with you. I think it's great when someone compliments my mom. I don't know if you saw it earlier in the week. Kevin Durant, when uh, he gave his acceptance speech as the NBA's MVP, he plays basketball for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he gave a heartfelt, humble speech, and he honored his mom. And he said, Mom, you're the MVP. And when I saw this on the morning shows, all the all of the newscasters were touched, and I was touched, and, you know, it was just a great thing, as opposed to, no offense to all you Michael Jordan fans, anytime you hear Michael Jordan speech, he was cocky, he was arrogant. Durant showed humility, and he honored his mom and said, Mom, you're the MVP. You would think that that's what Jesus would say, right? You know, people would say, go back to that first verse of verse 27, blessed is the, blessed is the womb that bore you. And you'd think Jesus would say, yeah, my mom's awesome. I mean, did you hear that? She was a virgin when I was born. She is the best, you know? That was a joke. Okay. Should I use that next service? Because that just landed. All right. Lisa says no. Okay. Um, My mom's the best, man. She's the greatest. I mean, the son of God saying this. You know, you would think that would be his reaction. Thank you. You're right. Mom's the best, man. But he kind of gives a curt response. And he says this. And and the next, he said, even more, 
those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. And I just want to say this to females here. While we honor mom, and you saw the cute little video about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and you know, putting bandages on knees, and you heard my wife give some great stories, and you heard Deborah give an eloquent prayer to honor you moms. Here's the deal. Until Jesus came, women were only defined by childbearing. That was it. And, and, and the culture was like, if, if you have a kid, then you have value. And, and especially if you have a male child, then you have value. But Jesus says this, yeah, even more. This is a man who cared about his mom at the cross. It does not negate that. But he says, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. They're blessed. So, Ladies, any insecurity that culture wants to impose on you, and even some religious systems want to impose on you, as if to say your only value is your ability to produce a child, that that is not the heart of Jesus. Jesus said in, in his world, you are blessed by your holiness. You are blessed by your righteousness. You are blessed by your godliness. And this also means, ladies, and, you, and moms, you need to hear this very clear. Your value... To Jesus Christ is not dependent upon the success of your children. Your value as a person is not dependent on how your kids turn out. I'm a father. I'm a parent. I want my kids to, to manifest the glory of God in their life and be everything God's called them to be. But as believers, guys, our call is not just to... It's not to be this perfect mother or perfect father. Uh, it's Our call is to be obedient to God. And he makes the mess beautiful. He makes the mistakes beautiful. Uh, he's always at work. So Jesus, Jesus speaks to that insecurity. We, we, parenting is a skill. Parenting is a call. Parenting is from God. I'm not trying to limit that in any way. I'm saying you can't parent without the favor and the blessing of God the way God wants you to. And the foundation, the basis of being that mother that God's called you to be is your relationship with God and who he is. See, Jesus cared about women. And he cared about their value. And he cared about their opportunity. And when I think about what's happening in this world, in the nation of China where the one-child policy eliminates baby girls because they want more men. In Nigeria, where Muslim extremists take dozens of girls and put them into slavery. In a world where polygamy oppresses young women and they don't have the opportunities because they become essentially human traffic, sex slaves. In a world where the Taliban will get on bus and shoot teenage girls because they're just trying to get an education. We live in a world today that still oppresses women and females. And I don't know about you, but I think this world needs to be introduced to Jesus Christ. Because he is the answer. He loves all people. And he loves the girls and the moms and the women and the female, and all the men, their lives touch. And so I say, through Jesus, our greatest blessings are ahead of us.